Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Not everyone wants increased density projects in certain parts of Hamilton. The Ford government set to ramp up negotiations with the four major teachers unions. We're encouraging you to shop local this holiday season. The Salvation Army's Christmas Kettle Campaign is charging towards its goal. Learn how you can prepare for a possible recession next year. And we chat with Colin Linden of Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Unequivocally, we won't touch the green belt. Uh, unlike other governments that don't listen to people, I've heard it loud and clear. People don't want me touching the green belt. We won't touch the green belt. We'll figure out uh, how to clean up this housing mess and this housing crisis that we're facing in a different fashion. But all my friends, I listen to you. You don't want me touching the green belt. We won't touch the green belt. Right. Provincial government, as we know, plans to build more homes in Ontario, including eating up some of the Greenbelt lands, including many of them here in and around Hamilton. And it has many people thinking, well, how is the government going to go about doing this? And are more Greenbelt lands um, going to be chewed up and carved up and, and ready for development? And when it comes to housing density, increased density, are there certain parts of Hamilton that should be off limits to those large condo towers? Do we want to see these 30, 40 story towers in places like Dundas and Ancaster and Stony Creek? And speaking of the latter, our Ward 10 councillor is Jeff Beatty in the Stony Creek area and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Jeff, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good morning, Rick, and uh, thank you for having me on. I I, uh, I didn't realize that you knew what the theme song for our new council was. You were playing <laughs> Welcome to the Jungle earlier. I don't know how that got leaked out, but... Uh... Sounds apropos. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that uh, already in places like Grimsby and even stretching further down to the Niagara region, we're seeing more and more of these condo towers not not monoliths but you know the the skyline has changed for sure the shoreline has changed for sure when it comes to lower stony creek are 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 you trying to push back on these sorts of developments well i think the the question uh, really comes down to uh the appropriate size scale and scope of uh, some of these developments and and where they're being placed so in the stony creek and winona area we do have some proposals uh you know along the lakeshore area um, some of them, you know, they've got some different characteristics. We have some that are proposed to be next to existing uh, condo towers, uh, but we're going from 18 stories to up to 40. So there's some questions about uh, what impact that's going to have on the community. And then uh, a little further down in the Winona area, we do have some infill developments where we've got some properties that are being redeveloped uh, in, in existing historic low-density neighborhoods that are going from, you know, 10 units per hectare to 900 units per hectare. And, and I'm not using hard numbers. It's just kind of a, a broad scope. But what is the impact on, on the community there? So it's about finding the right fit for the, those existing communities and ensuring that uh, any new development is going to enhance the area, not uh, overwhelm it and destroy it. Well, just one part of the many impacts is uh, increased traffic. Oh, for sure, for sure. And uh, both of the uh, locations that I, I kind of made uh, note of there, Rick, um, they're in areas that were planned originally anywhere from the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, and the infrastructure that's in place, particularly the road networks, are uh, really insufficient for the type of density that's being proposed. And uh, it's, it's like uh, putting, putting these 
big developments and areas that uh, just don't have the ability to absorb all of those new cars, new people. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're working on trying to find that middle ground. When it comes to, and by the way, we're speaking with uh, Jeff Beatty, the War 10 Councillor in the City of Hamilton here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. When it comes to those high-density projects, because I think we're going to see more and more of them, mm-hmm. what kind of projects would be appropriate for the Stony Creek area? Well, I, I think that's what we're trying to find is the middle ground. And um, unfortunately, a lot of the local planning uh, capabilities have been taken out of our hands uh, by some provincial direction. Uh, the province obviously wants high density everywhere. Um, so I, I don't know that we've settled on what that looks like, particularly. Um, you know, I think the days of uh, the, the single-family detached home um, are fewer and fewer and further between. Uh, we are moving more towards townhomes. There's a term called the missing middle, which is kind of that mid-rise, mid-density home. We're going to be seeing more of that. Um, but uh, we're, we're still trying to understand how to balance the needs of the existing community with the needs to uh, you know, intensify in some areas. Last one for you, Jeff. We've got about a minute. When it sure. comes to those big, pro- those big condo towers, 30, 40, whatever the story is, yeah. uh, is, it, is it best case scenario that they're located along the LRT route and nowhere else? Well, I would say that the LRT route has the, the infrastructure to support that density, uh, you know, that density model. Um, there are areas uh, where they're being proposed where it's strictly reliant on car. Uh, we, and, and so I would suggest that that's the starting point, the high-density corridors across the city. Um, it may not necessarily be on the LRT route. It could be on a major thoroughfare. I know that there was mention of uh, places like Upper James along the Rymel Corridor, uh, parts of Queenston Road possibly, uh, but um, certainly in areas that have existing transportation networks that can support people moving from point A to point B without the, the need for uh, for a car all the time. Hey, Jeff, thanks for the time this morning, and uh, good luck uh, going forward. Thank you very much, Rick. Happy uh, to talk. You too. That's Jeff Beatty, Ward 10 Councillor, City of Hamilton. Check him out on Twitter, at Jeff Beatty 2014 You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We are so pleased we were able to reach an agreement that has now been overwhelmingly ratified by the members that keeps kids in the classroom, that preserves some the learning experience for children who've been through so much disruption over the past years. And as Education Minister Stephen Lecce speaking after CUPE's Ontario education workers voted 73% in favour of ratifying their new contract with the provincial government. But with negotiations with the four major teachers' unions underway, are there more storm clouds on the horizon. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin waking you up on another fine day in this city. Colin DeMello is the Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News and joins us now on GMH. Colin, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Rick. Uh, By all accounts, both sides yesterday said that they were happy with this ratified deal, but it certainly was a roller coaster before we got to the finish line. Yes, a roller coaster. And, you know, if we all kind of look back at this time, one would question whether it was uh, a roller coaster of necessity, (laughs) because ultimately the two sides were able to come up with, you know, a negotiated settlement that both sides seem to be, you know, for the most part, kind of happy with. Right. Um, Laura Walton, the head of QP, said 
you know, when it comes to bargaining, she she'd said that somebody had given her advice a long time ago that if both sides are unhappy at the end of the bargaining process, that means really it's it's a good contract because, you know, both sides were able to extract something out of the other side. And that is true for both the education minister and for QP, right? QP got a raise that they were looking for, not the exact amount that they wanted, but certainly more than they've received in the last number of years. And for the um, education minister, you know, they were able to hold the line, bring QP down, and at the same time ensure uh, that, you know, there weren't additional uh, services being added to the system in terms of new support staff, which, of course, adds to the bottom line of any uh, education union and ultimately the government. So how does this deal set the stage for the government's negotiations with the four major teachers unions? Yeah, 3.5%. That is the big question now because that's what QP members received. They, in effect, received a $1 an hour increase. So by the end of the contract, they'll be making $4 an hour more. Now, you know, if you convert that into a percentage, it means less for those who make more and a higher percentage for those who make less. But the average is about three and a half percent increase. So the big question, not only in education, right, it's also across all public sector unions. Is this now the new floor for negotiations for teachers? Can they expect to ask and receive a three and a half percent increase or will it be much lower than that? Remember, the Ford government had initially come out with, you know, a 1.25 to 2% increase for education support workers, depending on how much they made. So, you know, clearly the government wants to go as low as possible. But that question is, will this set the stage for a new floor of 3.5%? Hanging in the balance, too, is Bill 124, which very recently was uh, called unconstitutional. And that's the other kind of wild card in all of this. So if you go back to what happened with QP, you know, when the government imposed the notwithstanding clause and imposed uh, Bill 28, which was the contract on QP, it really ignited something within all of the uh, public and some private sector unions as well. We, We saw them all come together and, you know, set the stage for a potential general strike in Ontario, something that really hasn't happened. Um, in, in, you know, our collective memory. And so that seems to be the new playbook for a lot of unions. And they know now, you know, they could <laughs> almost, you know, uh, pick up the red bat phone and, and call the, the, the forces in and they'll all unite behind a cause. The question with Bill 124 is now that a court has struck it down, what does it mean if the government continues to pursue a court challenge to essentially reinstate Bill 124. It it would mean that, you know, Bill 124 would continue to suppress wages at 1%, but it could also kind of, you know, uh, wake this sleeping giant uh, in in, uh, the the union sector uh, that that seems to have kind of found their collective voice during this battle with QP. So this could be a very interesting time for the Ford government, but obviously it'll take months before the court will finally have their ruling as to whether or not the lower court's ruling should stay in place or should be overturned. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Colin DeMello, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News. You can check him out on Twitter at Colin DeMello. Uh, Merritt Stiles, acclaimed as the new leader of Ontario's NDP. Were you as surprised as most other people that no one challenged her? 
I mean, yes. I mean, this is not just the NDP we're talking about. We're also at this point talking about the official opposition. I mean, the, the job comes with some some perks, certainly a really high paycheck. Uh, but at the same time, it also comes with, you know, the, the position that you are really potentially the government in waiting. Right. That is typically uh, what the official opposition is, is always seen as. So it's really surprising that nobody else put their name in the ring. Now, Mark Stiles also came out early and the NDP typically doesn't like to uh, have a, a, you know, a down to the mud, dirty kind of campaign that you might see um, in, in a liberal campaign or a uh, conservative campaign, right, where the gloves really come off and they really go at each other um, and, and in some way sacrifice party unity just for a leadership campaign. Uh, this with the NDP is a little bit more of a tepid affair. And so it wasn't necessarily going to be a big fight. But nobody else stepping up kind of leads you to question, why did nobody else want the mantle of the leader of the official opposition? On the other hand, Mark Stiles came out and was a really strong candidate. And that may have scared off a lot of people, you know, because then the question became, can I beat Mark Stiles as opposed to can I actually be the next leader of the NDP? And a lot of people took that under consideration and said no. And so Mark Stiles will be acclaimed as the leader when the NDP holds their convention in March. Uh, but as of right now, I mean, she is really the de facto leader of the NDP. Always great to catch up with Colin DeMello, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News. Colin, thanks for the time today. Thank you for having me. And you can check out Colin on Twitter at Colin DeMello. Uh, number of things that I'm sure Marit Stiles is going to look at. Number one, probably first and foremost, considering the crisis in pediatric hospitals in this province, is how to fix that system, whether or not it is fixable. Uh, we'll be interested to see what she comes up with. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, what does Hamilton's downtown BIA, speaking of eating at great local restaurants, what does the downtown BIA have planned to help local shoppers this holiday season? Emily Walsh is a community engagement coordinator at the downtown BIA and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Emily, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? Not too bad. Hey, the Christmas Tree of Hope is uh, lit up in Gore Park. That was an amazing ceremony on Friday. Mm -hmm. It looks fantastic all lit up. It's so nice seeing Gore Park decorated to the nines for Christmas. It gets everyone in the holiday shopping mood, I'm sure. What is happening Mm -hmm. in downtown Hamilton this holiday season? Uh, Yeah, lots happening down here. So um, us at the BIA, we have a new amusement ride in Gore Park this year. Um, This one is called the Umbrella Ride, and I kind of see it as more of a diagonal Ferris wheel going around in circles. And that's going to be running from noon to 8 p.m. every day until the uh, 11th. So definitely when you're down here doing your Christmas shopping, take a break and come take a spin on the ride. It's uh, It looks interesting. It looks uh, scary, but uh, not too scary. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just the sweet spot. Uh, so many different options downtown, too, whether it's a uh, a cool local business, uh, you know, the, the trendy uh, uh, James Street North, uh, restaurants. There's so many different things. That what That's what makes downtown Hamilton and the downtown BIA so successful. Oh, definitely. There are. There's just such a great range of restaurants with so many different types of food down here and really interesting uh, little shops that you can pop into and find something that you didn't even know you were looking for. There's also a incentive to go downtown because there's free parking, at least for a limited time. Yes, there is. Two hours of free parking on all of the um, street meters. Has that Have local businesses uh, offered some feedback on how positive that is? 
Oh, yes. They always love that when it comes around every year. It just really helps get shoppers through the door and helps um, keep everyone down here and exploring the area. Apart from the Christmas tree of hope and the uh, the lopsided Ferris wheel, if I can call it that, what else <laughs> can people uh, see and do downtown this holiday season? Uh, so I'd encourage everyone to come down and do some exploring for Christmas shopping. We have some really amazing stores with some really unique gift ideas. Um, one specifically, there's Len, Democratic purveyors of fine art and beautiful things, and they do just that. They have some really unique gift ideas in there, as well as some gift baskets you can get. Or right next door, there's Dr. Disc, a great spot for any of the music lovers on your list. I also always say that uh, a gift card to one of the amazing downtown restaurants is always such a great idea because you can get together later in the year and spread out that gift. Emily Walsh is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Emily is the Community Engagement Coordinator at the Downtown BIA. A lot of people shop for experiences as well, and and really a downtown shopping experience is an experience unto itself too. Definitely, and there is actually a super cool experience down here right now as well. One of our local bars called Bad and Bougie has actually transformed into the Naughty List, which is a Christmas-themed pop-up bar, and it's serving up uh, Christmas-inspired food and drinks, and is just has such amazing decorations put up, and it'll really get you in the festive spirit. So I definitely suggest checking that out as well. That sounds like fun. The, the holiday season, we should know, you know, with with inflation being where it's at, and the cost of living, uh, you know, making it tough for people. It's also a tough time for small businesses as well. And the holiday season for some is is make or break time, right? Definitely, yes. I think always running a small business is a really difficult thing to do and takes a really special type of person to be able to do that. And over the past couple of years through the pandemic, we definitely saw the community really come together and show some amazing support for their local businesses. And I just think it's really important that we continue doing that year after year and really show them that we want them to stay and keep them here and support them in everything they do. You can follow the latest, greatest and what's happening in downtown on the Downtown Hamilton BIA social media feeds. You can also go online to downtownhamilton.org. Emily, thanks for the time today. Good luck in this holiday shopping season. Thank you. Emily Walsh, Community Engagement Coordinator with the Downtown BIA. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. While you're in the giving mood, why not give to the Salvation Army's Christmas Cattle Campaign? It too is in full swing as the organization endeavors to raise millions of dollars, much needed money, to help so many people in our community. Glenn Van Gullick is the Divisional Secretary for Public Relations with the Salvation Army Ontario Division and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Glenn, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. How are you doing? I'm good. How is the annual Christmas Kettle Campaign uh, going so far? We're off to a good start. Uh, the Kettle Campaign, of course, an iconic campaign. Everybody knows it's Christmas when they see that red kettle out in the malls and the grocery stores. Um, and so the, the Kettle Campaign, our volunteers have been doing a tremendous job uh, getting uh, getting those kettles out, and people are people are giving. They're in a giving mood, as you say. I, I so it's great to see that going. Yeah, I agree. I was at uh, Limeridge Mall for the uh, Children's Fund yeah. uh, Blitz yeah. Day weekend, and uh, you know there was a Christmas kettle there, and I I don't made my donation. It just just makes you feel so good. It does, and and you know what, the need is so great as well. I mean, we've seen an increase of uh, individuals, families coming to us, uh, especially at this time of the year, but all year round. Uh, coming on the heels of a couple of years where we've been all struggling. Uh, many have been struggling in, in different ways and, and in more difficult ways. And so certainly the Salvation Army is seeing that need grow. And of course, we need uh, individuals who are able to support the work of the Salvation Army 
to make a donation in those kettles, donate online at SalvationArmy.ca or call 1-800-SAL-ARMY and uh, make that donation and support your neighbors. Uh, you know, with with inflation and the cost of living, uh, mm-hmm. gas prices, house uh, housing insecurity, food insecurity, um, is is the need greater now than ever before? I know we kind of throw those phrases out, but is, is it we true? Do. Yeah, it is absolutely true. Yes, um, we're actually seeing in some areas uh, the need could be growing in the in the neighborhood of thirty, forty, fifty percent. I was actually speaking to uh, our uh, our community and family services director. There, Shirley Malloy over on York, uh, York, and, and she was saying uh, the numbers have, have gone up significantly. In some time, you know, in, in some years, we see some growth. We see some moderate growth, uh, you know, a couple of hundred extra families reaching out for added support. And this year, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of individuals and families are reaching out for the very first time, um, struggling to, to get to the end of the month, you know, day to day, trying to stretch that paycheck. And, and yeah, this year we are seeing that growth, and we're expecting it to continue to grow, uh, even in the year ahead. Uh, but that is one of the things about the Salvation Army. We've been, we've been around for over 150 years here to support the community in Hamilton and, and the broader region, of course. Uh, but uh, people know that they can count on the Salvation Army to be there when they need us. So, uh, yeah, make that donation. Help support the work of the Army. The Christmas Kettle is a great way to do that. Uh, and, and, and be a partner in the ministry and the mission here to support your neighbors. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Glenn Van Gullick, Divisional Secretary for Public Relations, the Salvation Army Ontario Division, and we're chatting about the Salvation Army's annual Christmas kettle campaign, which is in full swing. Uh, what is the goal this year? Well, the goal in broader Hamilton, I mean, certainly as we as we see those numbers rise, um, you know, we, we, we are looking for about half a million dollars in the broader region, Within Hamilton, of course, uh, those funds, every dollar that goes into a kettle stays local, supports the work of the Salvation Army locally in Hamilton. Uh, but as we see families come to us reaching out, whether that's uh, Hamilton proper or those surrounding areas, uh, the Salvation Army needs those funds to make sure that we can continue to meet the needs. You mentioned that more and more people are contacting the Salvation Army yeah. for assistance. What happens when that person makes the connection? Well, when they call the Salvation Army or, or they stop into our, one of our community family services, our local churches, uh, they're reaching out. And so we immediately uh, connect them to the right individuals, the right team members in order to, to meet their needs. Sometimes that might be food insecurity. That might be uh, uh, struggling to get the food to the end of the month and making sure that they have enough for themselves and their family. You know, many uh, we're seeing uh, families coming to us. Over 60% of those families, um, we're, we're seeing children, age, school-aged children involved in, in those needs. And so, you know, when it's food insecurity, we want to make sure that people aren't having to choose between rent uh, or food on the table or winter clothes for a growing child uh, or putting food on the table. And so we're able to support that individual. Uh, they're connected with our community and family services team and supported wherever they are. So wherever they are in the city, our teams are working with them, uh, connecting with them to make sure that, all right, you know, what are those needs? Certainly at Christmas time, Christmas hampers, uh, maybe toys for kids. Uh, but of, of course, all year round, we're making those connections and making sure that families are supported uh, each and every month, supported all year round. Uh, inflation, as you know, is not going to reset when the calendar changes. And, you know, we just no. had uh, yesterday's Canada Food Report uh, really uh, identify that there's another 5 to 7% increase in the price of food next year with with produce and vegetables being among the highest in that increase. Uh, the 2023 is just going to be as challenging as this year. 
It will be. And, and I think we're seeing that around the board. We're all feeling that. You know, all of your listeners are, are feeling that same thing when they go to the grocery store, when they go to the gas pumps. Uh, those numbers just seem to be climbing and, and uh, not sure you know, how that's going to level out, when it's going to level out. Um, and again, the Salvation Army is feeling those same pinches. You know, all of our locations where we provide meal programs, where we're providing food supports, um, you know, keeping those doors open, all of those costs are going up for the Salvation Army as well. Um, but we remain committed. We remain committed and uh, steadfast in our resolve to support individuals no matter what. Uh, and we'll be there uh, for as long as somebody needs us, no question. Uh, but I think, I think it is. It is one of those things where if you're an individual, if, uh, if, if you're able to contribute and support, of course, the Salvation Army, but supporting your neighbors. We're, we're blessed to be the middlemen in, in making sure that individuals have what they need and families have what they need. Uh, if you're able to support the work of the Army, make a donation, 1-800-SAL-ARMY or SalvationArmy.ca, or make a donation in those kettles that you're seeing in the malls and in the grocery stores right now. Absolutely. Glenn and I will be at the Westtown Bar and Grill this Friday between 10 until 2. Yeah, we got the big kettle out. We're going to be accepting donations as well, and it should be a lot of fun. Glenn, appreciate the time, and we'll see you on Friday. Thanks so much. Have a great day, Rick. You too. That's Glenn Van Gullick, Divisional Secretary for Public Relations at the Salvation Army Ontario Division. The Christmas kettle campaign is underway. I'm sure you've seen the kettles here and there. It's, as I mentioned, it really feels good just to drop in, you know, a five or a $10 bill, a 20 whatever you can afford, because it goes a long, long way. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. My feeling is that Tiff Macklem is hearing you when you say enough, enough with the interest rate hikes. He's going to give you one, but I think it's going to be the smaller number. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. That's the voice of McMaster University business professor Marvin Ryder on Bank of Canada announcements. We're expecting a quarter or half a percentage point rise in uh, the um, key lending rate that the Bank of Canada uh, sets. Uh, many economists, as you have heard, say a global recession is inevitable and likely in 2023. Throw in high inflation, rising interest rates, increasing food prices, and your bank account is taking a beating, isn't it? Well, how can you prepare your financial picture so that you are, let's say, recession-proof? Elke Rubach is a principal and founder of Rubach Wealth and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Elke, good morning. How are you today? I am fabulous. How are you? I'm great. Uh, we we want to be ready for a recession. We want to save for that rainy day, but do most people actually have a plan and execute that plan? Um, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but no, unfortunately not because we're all busy. And the first thing we neglect is ourselves. So it's the recession is, I would say here and recession proofing is a wonderful idea, but you have to figure out how to, ride the wave of recession and and be okay with it. So, no, I don't think uh, the vast majority of Canadians are ready, and that's very unfortunate. Before we get to your tips on how to make your financial picture somewhat, if not completely recession-proof, I want to ask you about this, because we're in the holiday season right now, which I'm sure is making preparing for a recession a challenging task and i would i would guess that most people are thinking you know what i'll just wait till january and then i'll worry about a possible recession bad idea bad idea bad idea be proactive have the conversations with your family uh be reasonable with your spending studies show that people are spending less 
but you don't have to be the outlier. Really, if COVID didn't teach us that we need a lot less than what we want, I don't know what will teach us. So, so yes, it, it, it's concerning, but I think everybody's responsible for their own actions. And if they approach this with discipline and awareness, we'll be okay. So if someone's listening to this right now and they say, you know what? Elke, you're right. I'm going to start right now. What what are the first couple of steps they need to do to make sure that their financial plan is solid? So first of all is, do they have a plan? And if let's assume they don't, sit down with your spouse alone, like whatever your situation is, and have the conversation. Analyze your spending. How have you been spending during the last 12 to 24 months? If you don't know, find that out. So become aware of your spending. Then determine from your spending, what are things that you can actually cut out because they don't add to your life. And right there you start, you know, that's how you start your rainy day fund if you haven't started already. Talk to your family, talk to your family, talk to your family. Money is a normal thing. And when you don't talk to your family, there are a lot of unhad conversations that just add stress to the situation. Sit down and start your budget. And from your spending and what you traditionally spend on, say, okay, these are things that we know we're going to continue spending on. And how are we going to fund it? And that's called budgeting 101. There are no shortage of tools available to people online. Free uh, budget, monthly household spending. Budget has a negative connotation, but it's really an awareness exercise. And sometimes you're fine. It's good. It's a good exercise. I think more and more individuals and couples and families need to treat their um, financial situation as uh, as a business. Here's the budget. Here's what comes in. Here's what goes out. we got to be in the black as opposed to in the red. And we're talking about all this with Elke Rubach, principal and founder at Rubach Wealth. As uh, a, a recession is inevitable, according to many economists, uh, in 2023. And Elke, you just said that uh, you think it's underway right now. I, I want to talk to you about... An emergency fund, because I think most people uh, want to have one. Some people do. Uh, how do they go about starting one if they don't have one? As I as I mentioned, right, uh, planning the best time to plan was yesterday, but the second best is starting today. Uh, just figure out what you can cut and what spending you can cut, and from that start setting it aside. And there are a million ways to, to, to be smart about it. You know, a first one would be a TFSA. Set it aside, set it aside, set it aside. But always approach your finances as a long-term project. Don't try to time the market. Right now, the market volatility is, a, is really not for the, for the faint of heart. And just start putting it aside, putting it aside, even if it's, uh, I mean, GICs are not tax efficient, but they're better than nothing. Just discipline, discipline, set it aside, pay yourself first, pay yourself first. A dollar saved is better than no dollar saved. So it's not that, oh, I can only save a dollar. So save that dollar, discipline, and really turn it into a habit. When it comes to inflation and recession, what predictions do you have for next year? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned because a lot of people bought their homes thinking or <laughs> with projections that, you know, at 2% interest rates or less, they, they would be able to pay off their house in five years. And we know that that's not real for a vast majority of Canadians, if not all, except for a few. Um, so when interest rates rise, of course, 
the houses, the price of houses usually goes down. So people that were banking on on their home as a you know as a retirement plan, well, might have to not not consider that anymore. People who owe a lot of money, they need to hold on to their jobs for dear life and do everything they can to really increase their skill set and learn and and come together because the markets will tighten. The job market is already shifting. Uh, I do start to see bankruptcies. I do expect on the residential side of things foreclosures, people who cannot pay their mortgages anymore that they come up for a renewal because they could pay it at 2%, but right now at five, six, seven percent well, maybe not so much. And if they have to end up going to a B lender, that's uh, the ones that pay, uh, charge you more interest because you couldn't afford the normal uh, ratios, uh, then, then they're in trouble. And if you're in trouble, it's better to know that you will be in trouble ahead of time and not get you know, stuck with a bad surprise that you have to sell your house in a panic. Well, as Elke has recommended, uh, get that budget in order, cut those unnecessary expenses, talk about money with your family, be disciplined. All these things will help you to a better financial picture. Elke, appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Elke Rubach, principal and founder of Rubach Wealth. You can get more information by Googling and uh, finding out more. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The musical stylings of Blackie and the Rodeo King. Sometimes it comes so easy, and yeah, sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Blackie and the Rodeo King set to rock First Ontario Centre this coming Saturday night, and joining us to talk about it is Colin Linden, guitarist, producer, original member of Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. Colin, good morning. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> in a nutshell, that's that's pretty good. That's a pretty good level of doing good. Uh, you guys are hitting the road, you know, for the first time in years. Yeah, we've. Uh, this is the tour that we intended to do uh, over two years ago, and uh, finally we're getting out to do it. It's uh, these are the last few dates coming up, and uh, it's been really, really great. Especially this particular leg has been just. We've been just having a really wonderful time here in Ontario. What have been some of the highlights? Uh, well, we uh, uh, played in Huntsville, and we played in Guelph, and we played in you know we played in a few different places. But in a lot of ways, I feel like we're really kind of finding our sea legs in a different in a different way. And one of the greatest things about it is Tara Lightfoot is joining us on all of the shows, uh, who is from Hamilton, and she is uh, such a wonderful musician and such a wonderful person. Um, so we've been having a wonderful time playing together. She she comes up and plays uh, half a dozen or more songs with us, and uh, it's really been it's been wonderful. And we have uh, um, you know for Hamilton we have some great guests, so we're really looking forward to having them with us. That's pretty cool. You, you mentioned finding your sea legs. I mean, you guys have been at this for you know tw- twenty five, twenty six years. Is it is it like riding a bike when you're back on tour? Or does it take some adjustment? Well, it's interesting. The music feels sort of like riding a bike but the strange thing is uh getting ready to pack to go away things that you never thought about and then you think oh man do i remember how to get ready for a two-week tour okay how many cables do i need what about this what about that little things about the kind of nuts and bolts of getting on the road and i've been on the road since i was 16 and i'm 62 now so i've been doing this a long time 
but you know you get you you uh, it was a remarkable milestone for me uh, at the beginning of the pandemic when I went four weeks without getting on a stage. I thought this is the first time since I was twelve that that happened, and then you know then it goes on for a couple of years. So I think we're starting to kind of get the flow of of how to be on the road again. Was there a dose? The music part always felt, you know, pretty felt pretty well felt comfortable from the first note. But yeah. Some of the other stuff, it feels like we're really getting into a good rhythm. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Colin Linden, guitarist, producer, original member, Juno Award winner, Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, being stuck in the pandemic and not going on stage, not performing. Was there some withdrawal there? You bet there was. There was a ton of it. We, uh, as a band, we focused our energy on making the new record, well, Glory, which was done, I say it was done in captivity because it was a strange situation because we wanted to play together and we kind of couldn't. So we had to uh, figure out new ways of making music together. And Tom Wilson and I got into a great groove where he would send me a snippet of a song or an idea and he was like pitching these strikes and he would send it usually in the morning at about nine thirty or 10 o'clock and send me a voice memo with a, a verse or a verse in the chorus or maybe a couple verses. And it became my mission that by the end of that day, I would have finished and recorded the song. And uh, we did that. We probably wrote enough songs um, to do a whole other album in addition to everything that we've done. So we got into a really good groove that way. And then when Stephen came on board with, you know, his contributions and some of the other things that I brought in, the record really had a lot of flesh to it. And it was sort of our way of, you know, our, our, uh, our way of being together, even when we couldn't actually be together. And I think that it really focused us on what we wanted to write about, where we were at, how life had you know, evolved for all of us. So it was really, uh, it was a great way of dealing, especially in 2021. You know, the second year was really was a big, big focus for us. Colin Linden and the rest of Blackie and the Rodeo Kings going to be performing at First Ontario Concert Hall this Saturday night. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. Is it extra special playing in your hometown? Well, I mean, Hamilton is not my hometown particularly, but uh, I would be honored if Hamilton adopted me as an honorary Hamiltonian because I love <laughs> it so much. Um, and it does really feel like the spirit of the band. It is sort of our hometown, not only because it's Tommy's hometown, uh, and Tom is such a wonderful, uh, uh, and, you know, amb- ambassador of Hamilton soul, uh, which I think is a very serious and real thing. And I also think Hamilton is, uh, is Canada's rock and roll capital. It really is in my mind. So I feel like I feel like I'd be honored to be an honorary Hamiltonian, and it is very special coming home. It's great. It's going to be great having Tara with us, and Digging Roots have been opening the shows, and they're tremendous. Uh, and all of us have have a connection to Hamilton. Uh, and uh, our special guests are going to be Serena Ryder and Colin James. So uh, 
I think we're covering the map in a lot of ways, but but uh, this is a it is a really big show for us. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a great one. You can see Colin and the rest of Blackie and the Rodeo Kings and all the other special guests that are going to be performing at First Ontario Concert Hall this Saturday night. Ticketmaster.ca and hey, get their album Oh Glory as well. Colin, thanks for the time today. Best of luck with the show. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. That is Colin Linden, guitarist, producer, original member of Blackie and the Rodeo Kings, a Juno Award winner as well. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. Episode and make sure you rate and review.